And I actually really liked the job and I liked going there every day. Um, but the people I worked with never welcomed me in. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, everybody. My name is Martin McGovern, your host, and today we are sharing quitting stories, stories of quitting with Susan Gem. Is it Gem? Yes, Gem. With Susan Gem. And uh, today she's going to be sharing with, with us her story of her career and some of the moments where she took on the, the powerful position to move on from a role. I'm going to introduce you really quick, Susan, from your LinkedIn profile. You, your profile says you are a community outreach liaison for impact, a connector, an enthusiastic communicator, as we will find out today, an initiator. <laughs> you seek understanding every day, uh, which, hey, that is your name, <laughs> Sue. And uh, you like to promote healthy, productive dialogue. So I'm looking forward to setting the tone here, as your profile says learning a little bit more about your journey and some of the pivotal moments that got you to where you are in your career today. So thank you for joining us, Sue. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I love to kick this off with you just telling us uh, a little bit about yourself. What's your story? Well, um, I started my uh, career actually in education back in the early 80s. (laughs) So um, I was a teacher, a classroom teacher for about eight years. And then um, started raising a family. And while I was um, raising my kids, I was a substitute teacher. So I was actually in education for about 25 years, all told. And, um, and then when uh, my kids were transitioning into um, high school, college age, I realized I needed to get serious about um, a full-time position. So um, I looked back, uh, I tried to get into education. Uh, a full-time teaching position. And at the time I was looking um, in the early 2000s to get back in full-time, there were no teaching positions to be had, which is, there was a glut of teachers. And I had substituted for nine years in our local school district, thinking that was gonna help me get my foot in the door. And uh, that really never happened. Um, actually, I think it worked against me. So um, I, was a, I was a known quantity um, as a substitute. So why should they hire me to be a full-time teacher? So then I had to pursue a career and I had to look outside of teaching. And I thought that with 25 years experience as an educator that I could walk into a business role and, uh, and be able to meet the needs of the business community. Um, and that was really very difficult. So I went through a very um, difficult period, um, actually went through about seven jobs in five years, oh, wow. <laughs> trying to oh, find wow. my niche, yes. And um, so, you know, I, it was a really, it was a conundrum because I was um, an experienced worker, but in the business world, I was considered an entry level. And so there was a lot of conflict there because I had to, I, I used to say I had to kind of dumb myself down to fit into entry level roles. And that didn't often work very well. I outgrew jobs. So some I had to leave, some um, I was forced to leave. Um, but, but then fortunately um, in about 2009, I found a great job um, not too far from my home working for the Kane County and the McHenry County Medical Societies. 
And I loved that job. I was there actually 11 years. So I finally found my niche. I found my place. I found a really great place for my education and my outreach and all of that blended very well together in that role. And I was there 11 years. I love that. And there's, there's so much in here because I feel like when we're looking at careers, there tends to be this view of, I need to get it right, right out the gate, right? I, the first thing after college or the first role after my boot camp or whatever the thing might be, I need to ace it or I'm destitute the rest of my life or something like that. It's kind of the, the general feel I get from folks. And there's this sort of untold story of these big pivots and these experimental periods where we're trying to figure things out. And I love that you laid it out of like, you know, seven jobs in five years. So, you know, I would love to dig into that period of five years and just, you know, learn a little bit about what that journey looked like for you. So for in, uh, just to kind of kick it off here, you, you mentioned how difficult it was to get into that space because you were an experienced person, but seen as entry level. And that, that kind of can really mess with people's heads, right? Where we think yes. we should be at one place, but you know, we're not getting that validation. And I always talk to people about trying to separate your identity from your current job. That way you don't get everything wrapped up, all the emotions mixed together. Um, but what was that like for you when you, you know, as you stated, had to almost dumb yourself down in certain ways? What, what, what was that, uh, you know, experience of job searching like on a day-to-day basis? Um, well, first of all, the job search, um, especially when you are looking at really needing a job for financial reasons, um, it becomes very critical um, that you get into something. And honestly, to me, the job search hasn't really changed. I'm, I'm in one again now. Um, and I look back to where I was 15 years ago and there's not a whole lot of difference going uh, that I can see. But back then, you know, it was critical. I was coming up against um, college college tuition. I had to help my sons go through to college. And so it was it was more of a desperate need. And because of that, I think I took jobs that I wasn't always probably well suited for, but the opportunity was there. I thought I can do this. It, it you know, I, I really didn't think it mattered what kind of work I did just as long as I was working and, and I could make myself happy, but I quickly learned that um, that wasn't the best thing for me. So one of the jobs that I had probably um, that was, it's been the hardest for me to get over. And I I was, I think about it a lot because it's almost like a post-traumatic stress (laughs) syndrome. Um, I took a job uh, and I actually really liked the job and I liked going there every day. Um, But the people I worked with never welcomed me in. Mm. And it was just a very weird time um, in in my career. Again, I, I, I was an experienced worker and they had me in an entry-level position. And so I was told not to talk. I was told not to say anything. I was told not to contribute. I was told just to be quiet. And it was very, very difficult to work in that situation. Um, and, and, who, and I had to do a lot the, of self-evaluating. <laughs> yeah. And who were the folks saying that? Was it coworkers, supervisors? Who, who on the team was saying that? That was, um, I worked for an executive director of a foundation and she was the one that just 
you know, made it very clear to me that, that I was not allowed to ask any questions, that I was not allowed to say anything at a meeting, that I was supposed to be quiet and be in the corner. And so while I was in that job, I was, I was looking for something else. <laughs> uh, they finally, I finally left that job. I mean, it was just not a good fit. And so mm -hmm. it was, it was a mutual decision to just part ways. But um, since then, I'm really cautious about um, the people that I interview with. Um, I'm always trying to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But I don't know how you really completely eliminate those situations from yeah, happening. You, you, yeah, you definitely can't plan for every eventuality. And, and even, you know, I hear all the time, someone will take a job because of a good boss, and then that person will leave or move to another team or any number of things can happen. There, there is no such thing as stability as far as I can see in folks' right, careers. Right. Yeah, it's, it's never as stable as like the, the, the lore of olden days uh, says. <laughs> no, but I will say that with each of these positions that I had, and I do include that one on my, my resume because I was there nine months and I, I liked what I did and I had a lot of I was able to get some experience there that was, was buildable. Um, it was good on a resume. And so part of sticking it out too is always knowing in the back of your head that um, the experience that I'm having is still valuable, even if it's not always pleasant. Um, there were, there were enough pleasant things about that job that got me, but anyway, then uh, Shortly thereafter, I, I found the position, um, was lucky enough to get the job at the Medical Society. And that really was um, a great position. Um, and I was there a long time, maybe too long. <laughs> um, but then I, I, I started to feel that it was time to move on from there as well. And isn't that just the flip side of things, right? It's like we go from <laughs> almost being a job hopper and everything being too short to oh no, now I'm too comfortable and I've plateaued. <laughs> All those different things. Well, believe me, I've thought of that many times. I'm like, well, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted a job close to home. I wanted a job where I could use all my gifts, all my skills, um, where I would have the freedom to create. And, and, uh, and I was able to do all that in this job. And yet it was time for me to go. So yes, I, I definitely put a lot of thought into that and thought how ironic this is that I really have what I want. And yet it wasn't good for me anymore. Right. And, and that's the misnomer. I think so many people are going around thinking this next job, once I get to this next job, then I'll be good, then I'll be set. And then you get in there and you're like, well, no, now I need more money. Oh, no, now I need a different role or a different boss or a different industry. There's always another thing to chase. And just the way that our brains are wired, they're, they're not wired to sit in a, in, in, sit still. They're wired to think. So, you know, there's always growth happening. And, and whether we like it or not, we should be kind of keeping our head on a swivel in a way uh, to be ready for whatever those next opportunities might be, right? Right. And so when you were in that five-year period, what were just a... Uh, a handful of the different things that you did? What were the kinds of jobs that you took on? I worked for, uh, I actually quit um, my substitute teaching role after nine years and that was bittersweet. I, but again, I had done that nine years. I, I thought it was just time for me to grow. So I left that position and I took a job at a wealth management firm. And uh, that was 
I worked there a short while and then I worked, I was always kind of someone's assistant. Um, I guess you could call it administrative assistant. I never really was the office manager, so to speak, but I always assisted someone in getting their foot out the door or their, um, their paperwork in place or whatever. So in that amount, and then I also worked, it was really kind of a fun job. Um, I found it back in the day when you could find things in the newspaper, believe it or not, that wasn't even all that long ago where you could find jobs in the paper. Um, I founded a job, um, for a local startup, it was a, well, like a restore. It was called Reuse It Center. And they were looking for a volunteer coordinator. And so this was a startup. I mean, it was ground, hit the ground running. And um, none of us knew what we were doing, but we we went out, we created this warehouse filled with um, old things that people would come in and, and purchase. Uh, and I was the volunteer coordinator. So I had to find volunteers to work this restore or Reuse It Center. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. I had so much fun. <laughs> Sadly, that that place closed. So um, I was there about, I think that was about a nine month uh, mm-hmm. gig too. And then from there, I um, trying to remember all the things that I did, but the foundation work was good. Oh, and then I then I worked for a nurse caseworker who did like workers comp. And I, I did like forensic accounting work for her. So it was all these little odd jobs that you know, I figure if you're a teacher, you know how to spell, you know how to read, you know how to do math. And so it's amazing all the different things you can you can do for people. And um, this kind of limped me along until I found the position with Medical Society. That's all. Yeah, it's it's almost like you build those <laughs> core skills and you can leverage them in a number of, it's like a, what mix and match of the skills do you yeah. have that you can apply yeah. to different problems? I love that. And you mentioned that um, the job search, because you're in one now. You mentioned that the mm-hmm. job search isn't that much different 15 years ago than it is today, but that we have newspapers versus LinkedIn. There's a whole new world of like ATS systems and online applications and personal brands and a hundred different portals versus a newspaper clipping or, you know, I'm, I'm actually very curious, uh, you know, how has the job search changed for you over the years? Cause that's something that you know, I'll get pushback from people and they'll say, you know, all this stuff that exists today, LinkedIn and Indeed and having a personal brand and a personal website and all these different things that I need to do for my career. All this stuff is 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 unnecessary and ridiculous. And it used to be so easy to find jobs. All you had to do was walk into a business, hand them your resume and you had a job that day. Someone actually said this to me. And I was like, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> it's like, I don't believe that that's how easy it was. Um, because I have a feeling that you probably spent a lot of time calling phone numbers from a newspaper. Um, so I'm curious, like, what has that, like, throughout your whole career, what has that experience been like for you? Well, I will say um, that I think one of the, uh, I never looked at it as an advantage, but maybe it is, um, because I've been in a job search for such a long period of time, you know, throughout the last two decades, I've really been able to kind of keep up. I've had a LinkedIn profile for a long time already. Um, while I was in the job search, my husband also has been in the hunt and uh, he's a he's a consultant. And so consulting work was always changing and he was always in a job hunt. So the two of us together, I mean, we should really write a book about all the yes. experiences we've had with job searching. But um, so we've kind of kept up with things. But I will say back in, you know, when I was graduating college, um, you literally would get a phone call from a friend saying, hey, that's how I got my first teaching job. 
Mm -hmm. It was like, we have this position opening at our school and we're in desperate need. Would you be willing to take the job? And I said, yes. And that was how I got that job. You know, uh, so I will say probably 30, 40 years ago, it really pretty much was, you know, hand someone, you didn't even need a resume. If you were, if your family members or the people who knew you knew you were a good quality person, you could probably get a job and they would train you on the, you know, on the spot. I had a couple jobs like that early on. It's, I would say it's much more difficult now. Um, the waiting period, the process of um, applying for something and not hearing back and um, all the, I, I would say it's probably a lot more difficult now to, yeah. to finally land something. Um, I still think I look back on my career and the old fashioned way always worked for me that some, I was a known quantity and somebody offered something to me. And um, I still think that's how it works for the majority of jobs today. It's, it's, I think they say, you know, 80% of jobs are found through networking. And, uh, you know, it's, if we're not, it's the ways we network might be different, but I still think most people end up finding roles through friends or loose connections or family or different things like that. Um, In addition to job boards, I, I, I tend to find job boards, especially for more entry level folks tend to have like almost less than a 3% like response rate and things like that. But yeah, when it comes to, uh, you know, staying on top of it, I love that you saw you're, you're sort of seeing the power of kind of a lifelong job search, right? Never really taking your finger off the pulse, even when things are going well. And that's something that I find fascinating too. Um, that sort of consultative mindset to things. Is there anything that you feel like you know, staying on top of LinkedIn and different things like that. Is there anything that you think you've done throughout your career that has set you up to really be able to be flexible? I, I think, um, well, the reason that um, I'm even talking with you today yeah. <laughs> is because I've listened to one of your webinars and heard the word hybrid professional. And I was like, oh my gosh, after all these years, I think I have a title. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I just never, I just really thought I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't have a niche. I'm not a anything in particular. Um, and I, I really think a lot of that has to do with I'm an educator. And so I educate first. I'm a facilitator. Um, and because uh, I started out in a classroom where I had no teacher's aides, I had nobody helping me. If I wanted to get it done, I had to do it myself. And so when I look at jobs, um, I think I have said, well, I can do that for you, or I can help you with that. Or I, and so I have seen myself and the agility piece, but that is oftentimes hard to sell because in our career world that we live in now, everybody really does is very title driven. Mm. And if you don't have a particular title, it's pretty hard to find your niche. And, um, and I think that that's always been my difficulty is I don't have a niche. I'm kind of a hybrid. So, and, and quick shout out to Marty constant for, uh, donning the phrase, uh, hybrid professional. And, and I'm also telling you that was, that was just like, so awesome to finally hear that and to be acknowledged that, that, that is some, that, that is something that is, that's worthwhile, you know, and hopefully somebody will find it worthwhile. Well, and I, and I think <laughs> it's more, in, I don't know. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And I think it's one of those things. And this is sort of a, I put on my marketing hat a little bit. It's like, 
on the one hand, in our heads, we have to know that we're hybrid professionals. But when we sell ourselves, we have to know exactly what the other person needs in order to sell to that need. So it's like, it's almost two different stories. One is the internal story of, of course, I'm a hybrid professional. Of course, I'm a complex human being. Of course, I could do a dozen different jobs. I, I'm not limited to one thing. But when I talk to people, here's my story. <laughs> and having that yeah, yeah. confidence to be able to lead with that story in order to help people right. have an understanding. And so when we look back a little bit, I want to dig into some of the uh, some of the stories of quitting because we haven't explored that on the podcast before. And I think it's an, a really interesting emotional roller coaster that a lot of folks go through. And sometimes, you know, it builds over time. And so it's a very sort of almost clinical thing, but sometimes it's a burst, like what happens in the movies, right? I'm curious when, when you look back at the moments of transition that you took that step, what were those moments like for you? Is there one in particular that stands out? I would say one where I... Yes, you've made me think. The very first job I ever quit was the very first job I had after teaching. And with teaching, you know, you just I love you just stick it out and you go through thick and thin and there is no at least in my world there was no such thing as quitting that. But my very first job after I left uh teaching, um I hate to admit this, but I was there actually 3 weeks and it, I just knew it was not this was not it and um, I remember, uh, laying in bed one night and my eyes, honest to goodness, it was like 1230 at night and my eyes just woke, you know, like burst open. And I said, oh my gosh, like I could quit this. I've never quit <laughs> anything in my entire life. <laughs> I remember like waking my husband up and I'm like, I, I could quit. And he's like, yeah, you could. And it just had never occurred to me before that I could quit something. I felt like I had to just power through and be miserable. And, and I deserve, it was liberating to think that I could quit. I hate to say it, <laughs> but that so really is a teacher mindset, right? That, it, that it's like the educator mindset. It was totally a teacher mindset because I had already taught 25 years up until this point. And the only time I ever moved out of a job was because I was having a baby or because I was moving locations. It was never because I was, I could, I was quitting, you know, mm -hmm. so it had just never occurred to me that it, I didn't have to stay in this miserable job. And so I wrote a very nice letter <laughs> and I, I just said, this isn't a good fit. And I left it for the bus with my keys. And I said, um, I will be leaving today. And uh -huh. I didn't, I had never done that before. And it was really amazing. <laughs> That's so. incredible. I love that you shared that story. I think that first time that first moment where you realize you can walk away is so huge and it's great that you had someone to talk to about it too right you, you could turn to your husband and be like oh my goodness I, I remember when I when I went through my first quitting experience my buddy looks at me and he goes I'm like look I was just told that I'm gonna commit career suicide he's like how old are you and I go 23 he goes yeah don't worry for the next 60 years you'll never find another job <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was yeah, like, right. fair, fair point, fair point. And like, so it is fascinating how like, we're so in our heads. I was even talking to someone earlier today. And he was saying like, um, I'm in this job, I want to get out of it. They're not paying benefits. Like it's, I'm in San Francisco, it's all these different things. It's, it's not quite sustainable, and I'm going to burn out. And he goes, but I've got to make it to that year marker, right? 
got to make it to that year. Otherwise, what, my whole career, I'm like, man, three months, right? It's you have control. You have, or is it three months or three weeks? I was there three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. even better. Three like, weeks, yeah. That, that just because like companies, and this is a big thing that I'm trying to like really get people to understand with this podcast is like a company will hire someone and then the budget will change and they'll rescind the offer. They'll hire someone, COVID will happen, they'll furlough you. Like they're your family until the budget changes, right? And then right. and then we as employee as employees for some reason, like we'll take a job, then get another offer a week later for like ten thousand more, twenty thousand more, and turn it down because we said yes to that role. And it it just it it always gets me because I'm like, oh, we have so much more power as employees than we think. Right. And I think that I always was loyal. I still am loyal. I mean, I really am. Um, and I think that can, that can, I have to always watch that, that I'm not so loyal that I, that I'm always at least kind of protecting my own well-being. And in that very first job in that three weeks, it was not good. Oh boy. <laughs> and I thought, uh, I almost don't care if I'm penniless and on the street, but I'm not staying here. And I think you almost have to get to that place. Um, yeah. and, and sadly, I've been at that place after that quit. <laughs> then I had my seven, um, my five years and seven jobs. And mm -hmm. um, that was just a huge, a huge time of growth for me. Um, it was very, very difficult. Um, personally and psycho psychologically, somehow I managed to get through it. <laughs> uh, but you don't forget it, that's for sure. Well, you don't forget it. But I will say, you know, I, I never, I never left emotional. You know, you have to almost de detach yourself from the emotion of that, and 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 never burn any bridges. I never want to say. I would say that more than anything is you leave graciously and you leave gracefully. And um, I've never left anywhere where I think anyone could say anything negative. Yeah, we that's don't need me. to Jerry Maguire our way out of every. every yeah, that's not my personality anyway. So. <laughs> and so when when I want to just dig into those three weeks really quick, because I think people we sometimes looking back through our career, we we up. There, there tends to be either a hyper-focus on the negative or hyper-focus on the positive. And I know you're a very positive person. And so I'm curious, like, what was one thing in those three weeks that you remember that you're like, no, I'm not going to put up with that in my career? Well, it sounds silly, but I, I'll be honest with you. The person I worked for um, was very, I didn't find this person to be very professional. And uh, when I walk in an office or a classroom or anywhere, I want everyone to put on their professional hat. And this person was very unprofessional and not in a, um, not in a physical way or any of that. It was just, this person was very unprofessional, uh, the way they dressed, the way they spoke, the way they acted. And when they left all their dirty cups in the sink and told me to wash them, I was like, I don't think this is the job for me. <laughs> and then I, tr I, I did try to make it right. And so I remember one evening, uh, this person had come in from an appointment and we were alone in the office. And I said, you know, I just don't feel like we've gotten off on, a, on the right foot. 
I think we need to, you know, just talk about how we can make this work going forward. And, um, and it, it just really went bad. It went south from there. Um, the person had a very negative attitude, uh, told me everything that was wrong with me. And I quickly learned that I was, and now there's a term for that called gaslighting. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't know what that word, I didn't know what to call it. But I would look at that now and say that was the word. So um, here I was bringing myself wanting to make things better. Like maybe I got off on the wrong foot or maybe I didn't quite understand the role. Let's, let's try to talk about this. And it quickly um, became evident that this person didn't want any responsibility at all. And it was all going to be on me and my fault. And that's when I realized, well, this isn't healthy. This isn't going to be a positive place for me to, to come to every day. So um, that's when I knew it was just time to go. I appreciate you sharing that, especially the gaslighting piece, because that has come up on the podcast many times in in the talks with therapists and and different things as well. Um, It's, again, one of the reasons why we do this. I I think it's so important to hear what other people have gone through so you can identify it in in your situations as well. And so kudos to you for for making your decision and and also for making it in in a very detached professional way. That's that's always a beneficial way to end things if you can. Yeah, it's probably, I would say um, the two times I've had to walk away from the position, it was really helpful to to almost be in the third person and feel like you were observing this conversation and uh, take the emotion out of it. And, and um, I would say I did that both um, times. Now in the job that I just recently left, um, because of the age that I am, the doctor, I work for physicians and they were awesome. I, I love them. And um, I told them I was stepping down <laughs> and it was, uh, it's so they think I've retired, but, um, but I'm calling it stepping down. So it was, it was really not a quit like I did in the past where it was like, a, you know, I'm, I'm just not here anymore one day. This was a more gradual um, I gave them plenty of time. And, and so this quit this time was different. And that's the big thing is that each time we do this, we learn so much. And I think a lot of times when we go through an experience like this, we think it's either a net loss or a net win, but really it's a, it's a real mix of things. And, you know, going through that experience of quitting for me taught me in the future that I could quit other things. Like, not that I'm going to, yes. I want to quit everything I ever do, but there was a, you know, I had this one client and they, you know, I got the contract and what we agreed upon was very different than what the contract was. And then all of a sudden I'm in this, you know, contract position where I'm like, Oh no, we, we are not on the same page. And, and just knowing that there's a person that you have wherewithal, you have, decision-making power you have the ability to change your situation I think is huge and and what you went through each of those transitions probably taught you just a little bit different part of your personality and part of your strength that comes out right right exactly yeah and I will say that you have to be prepared to quit and I don't know if you you know when you think about financially I think most people stay in their jobs because financially they just can't Mm-hmm. you know, quit. But um, I will say this time around, um, r- my most recent experience, I was prepared for a long haul. 
Um, and not everybody's in that position to do that. But I will say you, you, you should be prepared to quit. You know, <laughs> I, I really, I appreciate you bringing that up because it is such a big piece of it. Like so often, and that's the removing the emotion from it, right? Knowing you have the ability to leave can actually help you detach that emotion earlier and make better decisions. Let's say I'm not going to quit today because it's just too emotional. So I'm going to wait six months. And in those six months, I'm going to stockpile every paycheck. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I was prepared to leave my position uh, last year at the same time. And I even wrote my resignation letter. I was all set to go. I thought there is no way I can do another year of this. And I went to a couple of board meetings. I actually worked for two organizations. So it was two of everything, two board meetings, oh, wow. two everything. Oh, wow. And um, I would sit through board meetings and think, no, you know what? I can handle, I can stay, I can handle it. I can help you guys a little longer. And, um, and then finally, but through that whole year, I was preparing for the inevitable. And so I will say that in the job search I'm in right now, I'm not as panicked. I'm not as like, oh my gosh, I, ha I have a little cushion that I'm comfortable it's so, a wonderful place uh, to be. That is really, oh yeah, it is. Yeah. So I don't advise anyone to just quit and think, oh my gosh, now what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I had a year's worth of, of, I, I, I unfortunately burned through a lot of savings after I quit, but before I quit, I had plenty to burn and not plenty, but I had enough to like, not, you know, be desolate. And that that's the kind of thing I think is really important to keep in mind. And I appreciate you bringing that up because um, and, and also don't wait till you want to quit to start preparing for that. Like the way we design our lives, uh, you know, the, the cliche is every time you get a pay raise, you increase your lifestyle to a percentage higher than the raise. And that kind of over, over correction that tends to happen when we get excited about our career going the right way, you know, it doesn't always look out, look out for pandemics. It doesn't always look out for, you know, crazy other various situations that can arise or industries changing or companies losing clients and all sorts of different things. Right. And, and like I said earlier, my husband, his line of work uh, in the consulting business um, was always very, I, I don't even know a good word to describe it, but it was um, touch and go. That, it was very touch and go. Thank you for the words. Yes. I mean, we would, we were riding the roller coaster all the time and, and we've learned how to, how to survive. Um, I don't recommend it, but if you have to do it, you, you do learn to um, live and adjust in a very an unpredictable life. Yeah. But that prepares you for unpredictable worlds, which we very much right. live in. So yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like uh, the people that were the most kind of, uh, we're the most, I don't know what word to use, but I, let's just go with unpredictable. The people that were the most yeah. unpredictable probably fared the best in these right. crazy times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a good friend of ours who had, he had said to us once, um, you're, you're kind of fortunate because you've had to look for jobs throughout your career. And in his role, um, he was in the same job for like 30 years and he'd never interviewed. He didn't have a resume. He was very unprepared. So when the company laid him off, he was like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I thought, well, the one thing we are pretty good at is 
Keeping our resumes uh, yeah. up to date. And, and, and it <laughs> so is I guess a there's skill. a benefit for that. Yeah. And it's a skill, yeah. just like any skill, you have to practice it. Like, like if you want to, you know, continue speaking, whatever language you speak, you've got to actually speak it. And I think being able to find jobs. I remember when I went through that first career transition after quitting, I realized how bad I was at it. I was like, oh, wow, I'm really bad at finding jobs. And, <laughs> and that, uh, that in what, what, what realization I had was, wait, if I can learn how to find a job, then I'll never have to worry about having a job. Like I, I can have flexibility. And now here I am a career coach, but like that, <laughs> there was a whole marketing career before that transition. And I, I just, I really appreciate you, you kind of giving us those, those real examples throughout your career. Cause you have like so many great instances where you've, you know, had just that slight different take on it, right? It's, it's not the exact same experience every time. It's slightly different each time, a little bit more positive, a little more negative, or a little more this, or a little more that. And it's just so fun to hear. Well, it's, I, it's been, it's fun talking about it. It's always more fun to talk about than actually live through, of but course. <laughs> thanks for giving me the opportunity to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, what, if someone wants to find you and learn a little bit more about the work you do, um, how can they find you and, and what are you looking to do these days? I, I think what I love to do is outreach. And so right now, one of the jobs, and it's not even a job, I'm volunteering uh, with a group of physicians out of Chicago called Impact for Healthcare. And the, these are just the smartest people in your field right now working on COVID and uh, during the pandemic, putting out infographics uh, for the for public health. And I'm volunteering with them. I'm on their team and trying to spread the word out here in the Western suburbs of Chicago on um, COVID and um, best practices for patients and for physicians. And uh, so I'm still enjoying my work with doctors and uh, I like working with a professional. I'm enjoying that for right now. So I'm looking at uh, community outreach type work, amplifying, they call it, amplifying their voice. And that's what I like to do. That's wonderful. And where should people go if they want to connect with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Susan Gem is my LinkedIn profile. And I'm also on the Impact for Healthcare website if they want to find me on my team. That's where I'm at. Fantastic. We'll put all those on the screen and in the links. And Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. This is a wonderful conversation. Thanks for kicking off the stories of quitting. I think it's going to be a really interesting series that we dig into here. Well, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed talking with you and I hope that my stories inspire other people. Absolutely. I I know for sure this is going to help start turning some wheels in people's heads. So thanks for joining us today. Have a good one. Thank you, Martin. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for stopping by this episode of the Career Therapy Podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. And if you're curious about what we do here at Career Therapy, head on over to www.careertherapy.com to see all of our coaching options, resources, and links to other things we got going on. If you would like to share your story on this podcast, something that you've gone through, a transition you've experienced in your career, whether it's getting a job after college or going through a layoff or getting back into the workforce after raising your family, we would love to hear from you. Head over to linkedin.com slash in slash Martin McGovern and shoot me a DM. Let me know what's going on, and I 
really like to share your story with the world. What we're trying to do here is really normalize the emotional side of the job search because we all go through it. We all have tough times in our careers and sharing these stories really helps people feel less alone and feel more empowered to take their career back into their own hands and make something of it. So thank you again for stopping by. If you'd like to leave a like or a comment, subscribe or share, or leave us a review on iTunes, and I think maybe even Spotify, we'd really appreciate it. Best of luck to you in all of your career endeavors, and I'll see you on the next episode. Cheers.